Hey everybody, good morning. You all sprung forward into winter again. Oh, I was pulling out of my driveway and I was like, there's snow on the ground. What is this? Well, you all made it here. Uh, we're so glad to be able to spend just a portion of our morning together, uh, worshiping God, getting into his word, uh, and, and just being a community of believers together. It's so encouraging to come to sing, to get into his word, and to be encouraged by each other. Amen? Amen. Uh, we've been watching this TV series. You may have heard of it called The Chosen. It's about this guy named Jesus. Um, and it's free. You can watch it. You can download the Angel Studios app and watch it for free. And I think the first season's on Netflix. But uh, my wife and I, we've been watching it, and it's been very fascinating. Um, it could be kind of a cool thing maybe to do as a family to watch it and then have just sort of a devotions that go, go with it. You can, like, talk about what's going on in the episodes. But it's been really interesting for us because we've watched different things like The Passion of the Christ and Son of God, different, like, movies and TV shows that kind of show Jesus. But this one is particularly compelling because they're adding so much kind of extra stuff, like contextual things. There's a lot of creative license. Say what you will about it. But it's been very fascinating for us. We're having really cool conversations about who this character Jesus is and what is going on in the ancient world. I don't know. Anyone seen it? Anyone seen The Chosen? All right. Two people. Woo! You all have homework now. Go, go check that out later today. Uh, anyway, so we're in a series uh, throughout the school year that's called The Story. We've been talking about everything from Genesis and the first part of the Bible through the end of Revelation coming up soon. But we're in the part of the story about Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who came to seek and save the lost. That's the good news. We just sang about it this morning already that he came to save us. That's the good news. Hey, would you stand together? Just greet the people around you. Say, hey, ask them how they're liking this nice spring weather. All right, everybody, we just invite you to join us for worship. We can wake up our sleepy voices and our sleepy bodies today as we worship Jesus. Let's sing this together, exalted over all.
Yes, Jesus, you are. You are our living hope. We look to you today, Jesus, the one who saved us, who redeemed us and rescued us. You are the hope of the whole world. Amen. Go ahead and just have a seat now and check out this next video from the story. There was a man called John the Baptist, who was actually the cousin of Jesus, who lived in the wilderness telling people to turn away from their own ways and live in God's ways. John's clothes were made from camel's hair, and he ate locusts and wild honey. People from all over the area came to hear John speak. He would often baptize those who decided to follow God, dunking them in a lake as a symbol of their choice. One day, Jesus came to John and asked him to be baptized. John said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. But Jesus convinced him to baptize him. When he did, he saw the sky split open and the Spirit of God flew down like a dove and landed on Jesus. Then he heard a voice from heaven say, this is my son whom I love. After Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist told all who came to hear him that Jesus was God's chosen one, the Messiah. Then Jesus went out into the wilderness and withheld from eating or drinking for 40 days. There, the devil showed up and put Jesus through a series of tests. Despite the devil's efforts to get Jesus to stop trusting God, Jesus refused the temptation and the devil left. When Jesus returned from the wilderness, he selected 12 men to join him to minister throughout the area. These men, who were called disciples, 
became his closest group of followers. One day, when Jesus and his followers were attending a wedding feast, they ran out of wine. Jesus asked the servants to fill six large stone jars with water. When they did, the water miraculously turned into wine. This was just the first of many miracles that Jesus performed, showing his power and causing many to follow him. Jesus continued to travel across the area, meeting with everyone from powerful religious teachers to the ordinary folks, telling them how they could live God's way and be saved from their sin. And the miracles continued. Jesus healed people with all kinds of illnesses and even helped a paralyzed man walk again. He spoke about a new kingdom that was very different from anything people had heard before. Many people were amazed, but some of the religious leaders were angry and fearful as his following grew. I'm going to invite the children forward now to be dismissed for Sunday school. It's preschool through fifth grade today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for bringing us to your house of worship this morning. And although we may be extra tired this morning, may that not deter us from um, just opening our hearts and minds to your word, and may we apply it as we go throughout the week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's my turn to say good morning, as there is always a fun rush out the door. Um, please don't join in the rush out the door. Stick around a little while. Uh, no, I'm uh, Pastor Aaron. I'm campus pastor here at Watershed. Um, and again, if you're not familiar with Heart of Wyke, we have three worshiping communities here on campus, Celebration, Fusion, and Watershed. So it offers really a kind of unique opportunity to work together, to play together, to pray together. Um, but uh, glad you're here worshiping with us this morning. Got a couple highlights for you this weekend. Uh, we had Feed My Starving Children. We joined with, uh, together with four other churches, so five churches together. And uh, over the day and a half, uh, we, were, we were hoping to shoot for 100, just over 100,000 meals packaged. And uh, thankfully, between all the volunteers, there were 109,000 plus meals packed, which equates to 300 kids getting a meal a day for an entire year. So uh, let, me, let me say that again. Hundred, over 109,000 meals, 300 kids today are going, to, are going to get a meal a day for over a year from people just offering a couple hours of their time. Yeah, I think we can praise God for that. And again, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for, for being a part of it. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks for um, if you contributed some finances to help with that, all of it is just an awesome opportunity. So uh, a couple other things that happen around Heart of Like, um, we have a podcast that's going on. I, I, I usually mention it in passing, uh, but I just want to kind of bring it to your attention. We're coming to the close of a second season. We release an episode every week, or every week. No, we don't. 
every month. <laughs> uh, it's myself, Pastor Darwin, uh, Pastor Bill JB, Pastor JB as well, uh, all four pastors. We get together, we read a book or maybe sometimes an article. I know we're getting ready to record tomorrow a podcast on a podcast. Um, so, but uh, yeah, if you're interested in listening in, they're usually 30, 40 minute podcasts. You can get them on uh, Apple Podcasts, you can get them on Spotify, you can jump over to our website. Um, if you're like, hey, I want to, I'm interested in reading a book, I'm, I'm not, maybe I'm not in on a book study, but you know what, I can listen to my pastors, have a conversation about it. One of our biggest goals when we did it um, was especially a couple years ago, um, and we still have it today in our culture, people just have a hard time talking to each other. And, and one of the biggest reasons we did this was to say, hey, listen, we all have different opinions, the four of us as pastors, as leaders here, um, but we want to model for you that, listen, we can sit around a table, we can, we can be brothers in Christ, we can leave loving each other more than we did coming in, and occasionally disagree. And so we use the books and articles as kind of a jumping off point, but it also lets you into a little of our relationship uh, as well. So that is out there, um, some, some good books uh, there. We're, yeah, like I said, tomorrow we're recording a podcast on a podcast, and uh, we're doing a podcast on a book called Humilitas, um, so on humility, so some cool stuff. We also have another podcast that's going to be going um, that I'm working on producing, and it's a once, again, another once a month, but it's just sharing stories of members of our community here how Jesus has been at work in your life. And uh, so just an opportunity to sit down. I'm going to just emcee a conversation. We're starting with a few of our council members uh, to get us going. So thankfully to them, they're willing to dive in. Uh, but uh, it just gives you an opportunity to hear different people's journey with Jesus and how, listen, we all have a unique journey, uh, but God is real. God is working in our lives. So that's going to be coming up. We'll let you know when that takes place. So, And then finally, um, I, again, I, I say this from time to time too. Anytime you want to get in touch with me. Uh, so Craig, if you can jump over to the next slide. There we go. Um, whether you're new here to Watershed, want to talk, whether you need some just pastoral counseling, coaching, um, if you're interested in being discipled, um, equipped in your journey with Jesus, Listen, this is my greatest joy. I'm here to serve the community, not here just to preach on Sunday morning. Um, but if you want to kind of grow in your journey, if you want help and, you know, how do I navigate that? If you've got a small group and you're like, hey, listen, can you coach us up on how do we reach our friends? How do we minister better in, in the world we live? Whatever it is, let's, let's grab a coffee. How can I not put a, a picture of a coffee cup up there? Uh, no, let's, let's sit down and chat. I'm more than happy. Um, Aaron at hardawike.com. And that phone number is my cell phone, so 616-638-1510. And I'm saying it really quick because that's on live stream and it's now on YouTube for everyone to have. Um, so, but uh, yeah, if you, it, it's, it's a joy for me to be able to be your pastor and so to be able to spend time together. I don't know what you need or where you're at, but um, reach out. Uh, let's, let's chat. So before we dive into the message, let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you that you're our living hope. Thank you that you've loved this world, Lord, that you would save it. God, today we're, get, we're getting ready to talk about how you would give your life. Mark's, Mark's gospel really points us to this, this one, you, who is a suffering servant. 
one who would go to a cross. When everybody thinks that you should be going to a throne and, and overcoming the powers of this world, you instead offered your life. So Lord, as we prepare to hear that, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. Calm our hearts, Lord. Some of us today come with a weight. Whether that weight is from our jobs, whether that weight is from an hour lost of sleep, whether that weight is our health, stress in our marriages, in our friendships. Maybe that's just the lack of some sunshine in a Midwest, West Michigan weather. Lord, if some of us come into this space and our, our hearts are heavy, our hearts need some relief. So Holy Spirit, breath of God, breathe a fresh wind, a fresh breath into us this morning. God, some of us are excited. Things are going well. Lord, some of us are celebrating life and celebrating your goodness and celebrating, I mean, just a promotion, celebrating uh, a new job, celebrating, Lord, uh, just things are adding up and lining up, celebrating a great conference or a great concert. Lord, we're celebrating this morning, uh, feed my starving children, God, being able to make sure that, that people are fed. Lord, as we celebrate, we give you praise and we give you thanks. And I'm also keenly aware, God, when I celebrate, it's easy to forget you. It's easy to be so focused in on the moment and the joy that I forget to say thank you. So, Lord, in these next moments and minutes as we listen, whether we come with our bucket feeling pretty empty or our bucket feeling pretty full, Holy Spirit, focus our attention on you. Work in us. Breathe that life into us. Encourage us, equip us, and challenge us. Lord, not for our sake, but for yours, for your kingdom. Lord, and for the sake of this world that you love, that we are certainly a part of. So God, thank you. Thank you that we can be here. Thank you that we can join together. Thank you that we can hear from your word by your spirit about your son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. It's in his name we pray and all God's children said, amen. So we watched in our video this morning just a little bit of a Jesus life. We're continuing on in the story. But over these four weeks, Jew kind of pointed it out as we started worship. We're, we're focusing in on who Jesus is, but uniquely through the lens of the gospel writers. So last week we talked about Matthew. And I'm going to bring up this picture. I'm going to use this over the next few weeks. Uh, how many of you like pizza? Yes, you better raise your hand, y'all. Come on. <laughs> A Chicago boy, I can't not like pizza, all right? I, there's, there's Aurelio's Thin, and then you got to get into Gino's East deep, Chicago Deep Dish. Yes, I'll deal with the New Yorkers when I have to, or those brick oven things. I like, 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 is this really pizza, or is this flatbread? Like, I, I don't know. I can't quite get there. That, that to me is flatbread. Nonetheless, <laughs> 
It's pizza, right? We're, we're, everybody, how, how many of you too, when you got to order pizza, you got to order different kinds? Right? It's all pizza. We all enjoy it. Just like with Jesus. We, man, Jesus is Jesus, right? So imagine Jesus is pizza. Yeah, go home with that one. That'll be on social media this week. Imagine Jesus is pizza. No, really. Imagine just as a whole. But each gospel writer says something to tell us. So Matthew Right? Last week we talked about Matthew writes to a Jewish audience, but in particular to say this is the promised Messiah. He's the one, uh, Jewish folks, Israel, he's the promised one that God has been talking to you about ever since the beginning. And he, this is a trustworthy, this is something you can stand. This is the rock on which his church is built, it, it, that he is our king. Right? This gives us confidence. It gives us something to rely on in our lives. It gives us something to trust in and stand on. It also gives us a leader. Well, today we're going to talk about Mark. And Mark writes to primarily the, the church, because Mark was uh, an early on kind of worked with Paul and Barnabas. He was a cousin to Barnabas. And then Paul didn't really like working with them so much. They split up. So yay, we won't go into that one. But after a while... Paul later calls for, for Mark. Something gets redeemed, and he goes, man, he's a faithful worker, and I want him. So Mark, we know, learned from Paul, and he also learned from Peter. So he kind of gets his knowledge through Paul and Peter of Jesus, but he writes to the church in Rome in particular. And, and this church in Rome is, is a church that's experienced suffering and persecution that like, okay, hey, Jesus is now on his throne in heaven. Man, it should be going great. We should be kings and queens of the world. But yet people are getting impaled on poles and burned. Paul would later get beheaded, right? The disciples all but, as we'll see today, John, are murdered. And so Mark writes about this, who is Jesus then? Right, Matthew, who do you say that I am? And Mark says, you know what? Jesus, he's the suffering servant. Jesus' mission was to come to die to save us. Not to flip Rome on its head and overcome them and, and reestablish Israel in the center of the world. No. Jesus' mission was something different, to suffer, to die. He was a servant of God. So as we dive in, I want to jump to Mark 10 today. We got Luke, right? And we put John, because John's, Matthew, Mark, Luke kind of work together. They work with some of the same material. John's out there, and I see Corey today. Corey's going to preach on John, so thank you, Corey. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're, you get flatbread. So there you go. <laughs> But no, let's, uh, let's jump into Mark 10 this morning. Um, in all of these, I'm looking at one particular passage to kind of help us understand each. Mark 10, starting in verse 32. We hear this. They, the disciples and Jesus, were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and he told them what was going to happen to him. He says, we're going up to Jerusalem. We're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests, to the teachers of the law. They will, be con they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, will flog him and kill him. 
three days later, he will rise. This is the third time in Mark's gospel where Jesus says, hey, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem. This is nearing the end in Mark's gospel. When we, by the time we're in Mark 8, 9, and 10, we're now moving towards Jerusalem. We're moving towards the cross. And while we hear a message of the resurrection in Mark, Mark is particular to say, no, Jesus came. His mission was to die. Now, I don't know about you, if I thought my whole life that the Messiah, God's promised one, was coming to to set the world aright, to sit on the throne, I'm not thinking this is part of the equation, amen? Right? I'm not thinking my hero, (laughs) I don't know what hero, becomes the hero by dying. Right, the first time that Jesus tells us this, it actually joins up to the story we read from Matthew last week, but again, Mark's telling it from a unique perspective. Right, the story in Matthew and in Mark, both in Mark 8, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Right, we answer that question, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Messiah, right? You're the promised one. Great, Matthew, it ends there. Woo! Absolutely. We're building the church on this rock? Absolutely. Mark, however, because Mark's good at this, he shows us the disciples are like normal human beings, like you and I, has now Peter take Jesus aside and scold him. Like Peter starts to scold Jesus for saying that he's going to die on the cross. So then the one who's the rock, Jesus now says, get behind me, Satan. Ooh. So that's the first go-round. The second go-round, they're confused in Mark 9. They didn't understand, and they started arguing about who the greatest was as they were, t- they were talking along the road. Again, they're just clueless to this reality of, I've come to die. So what's going to happen the third time? Is the third time a charm? story continues, verse 35, then James and John. Sons of Zebedee. Let me just pause for a brief moment. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, think about this. Their dad kind of owned a small business, a small fishing business. It's possible Peter may have worked for him, possible some other, but small family business. Uh, Church history says that their mom might have been related uh, to to Jesus's parents and descendants, so it's, it's possible that James and John could be cousins of Jesus. So just some context for what's going on. So James and John, verse 35, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Let me say this one more time. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, have you even said that to your parents? I know better. No. <laughs> now, I was dumb, but I wasn't that dumb. <laughs> they go on to say, We want you to do before us whatever we ask. And he says, what? What's Jesus' response? What do you want me to do for you? Wow, what a grace, isn't it? You can come and say, we want you to do for us whatever you ask. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, we have just before this, mothers bringing their children for Jesus to bless. Just after this story, a blind man will come to Jesus. He wants to see And James and John here are saying, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And here, out of his kindness, out of his grace, maybe out of his patience, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Before I go any further this morning, I think that's a gift for us today. 
That Jesus doesn't condemn us ever when we come to him in prayer to talk to him and say, Lord, we need you. We want you to please help us. I, we all come with an agenda, don't we, to Jesus? Right? This is a real question for all of us. Just like for Matthew, the question is, who do you say that I am? And the question for Mark is, what do you want from me? What are you looking for from me? What's your agenda? Right? And he doesn't sit there and condemn us. He doesn't sit there and, and, and say, hey, you... No, he actually says, go ahead and ask. It doesn't mean what we're about ready to ask for, like James and John, by the way, <laughs> is what we need to be asking for. But our God is willing to hear what we have to bring to him. My question for us this morning is, when you come to Jesus, not just who is Jesus, but what do you want from Jesus? What are you expecting from Jesus? What are you anticipating him to do for you? What do you want from me, Jesus says. Verse 37, and James and John, because they were bold enough to say, ask for, answer anything, do, do, what, do whatever, like, please. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Positions of power positions of authority. Let us sit at your right and your left in your glory. And here's what Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink? Be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Oh, we can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink. Yeah. And you'll be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared. Now, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant. Right? It ticked them off. <laughs> they became indignant with James and John. I'm going to put up here this. Some nets are harder to drop than others. Right? When Jesus called his disciples, they left their nets and followed him. James and John, this third go-round, right? Third time's a charm. Nope, third time proves probably what's the case for all of us, right? <laughs> How many times did it take me to get it? I'd say if it took me three times, that'd be a miracle. <laughs> but they go, no, we want to sit on your right. We want to sit on your left. We want to be in, and we want, in, we want the positions. We, as they heard about a resurrection, they want the resurrection of Jesus. They just don't want the cross of Jesus. Right? They want to get to the place where there's a celebration and a victory. They don't want to walk through the discomfort. How many of us want to be uncomfortable? Want to face the challenge? Right? When Jesus says, you can't drink the cup that, that I'm about to drink. You can't go through the baptism I'm about to. Throughout the Old Testament, these were images of God's judgment, actually. Now, once we move into the New Testament, baptism becomes something a, a little bit more like it unites us to Christ in his baptism. So that becomes good news. But throughout the Old Testament, the flood, for example, which is an image of baptism, was one that was meant to clear out Pharaoh's army. It was God's judgment. A cup was a cup of wrath. And he's saying, listen, what I'm about to do, you can't do. 
Only guy, as the promised one, can go to a cross, the one who's perfect to pay the penalty for sin. Only I can take on God's judgment. No human being alive could do that. No one of us can stand underneath our own sin, let alone the weight of the sin of the world. He says, you can't do what I'm about to do. Yeah, 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 we can drink, yeah, we can drink it, yeah. And he's like, yeah, you are going to. James, by the way, you're going to be the first one to die of all the disciples. In Acts, we find out next, I believe it's Acts 12, he gets beheaded by Herod Agrippa. James, he's the one disciple who never, he dies finally, but he doesn't die a martyr's death. However, he is boiled in hot oil at one point in time. And because he wasn't dead, After that, he was like miraculously saved, according to church history. That's one of the reasons why he ended up in the island of Patmos in prison. (laughs) Because the emperor was ticked off that he couldn't kill him off that way, so he's like, I'll ship you off to an island. (laughs) So you can live a great long life. Whee! (laughs) Yeah, you're going to suffer. Jesus says earlier in Mark, you want to follow me? It involves picking up our cross. It means a death. It means, it means saying, as Jesus prays in the Lord's Prayer, not my will, but your will be done. While Jesus goes to a cross, it means our way too will be filled with suffering. It's not going to be all roses. Will we have celebrations, joys? Absolutely. Because we have a peace that will secure and hold us firm through it all. But it does not mean that our journey is going to be easy. And it doesn't mean that we're going to all of a sudden ascend to the throne. He goes, hey, listen, by the way, the position of right and left, here's the irony of Mark's gospel, is two thieves will be on his right and left when he's sitting on his throne. He takes a cross, that which is meant to be the, the, the worst of the worst punishments, the, the thing that could shame someone like nothing else in the world. He takes that and makes that his throne. And on his right and on his left are thieves, scoundrels, the scum of the earth. But see, that's what God's kingdom does. It flips the world's economy upside down. It flips our lives upside down. That if we want to ascend to the top, he's saying, listen, if you want to go to the top, you don't want to be there because my kingdom flips it upside down and you'll all of a sudden be on the bottom. It's not where you want to be. The interesting thing, too, about John and James's uh, request, whether it was motivated out of their, you know, some familial ties to Jesus, whether it was because they were one of the earliest disciples called, we don't know, but maybe they just beat the disciples to the punch, right? <laughs> we ask the question first. There's two seats, one on the right and one on the left, right? right? Right now, you got one seat to your right, one seat to your left, right? They beat us to the punch. We find out what? The disciples are indignant, right? Anytime we go after power, anytime we go after position, what happens? It divides people. Anytime we go after our accolades and our wards, What does it do? It divides people because it means we've got to push others aside so we can ascend. The disciples' reaction is the reaction that happens when we're in it for the glory. Great theologian, reformer Martin Luther would say this is a, a theology not of the cross but a theology of glory. Self ascension. 
self-preservation. But Mark says, no, the way of Jesus is self-sacrifice. The scripture continues. So Jesus then calls the disciples together. He says this, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Right? That's the way of the world. You guys are thinking the way of the world. And if you're going to be leaders in my kingdom, verse 43, this isn't the way for you. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Ransom, to take the sin, our sin, to take it away from us as far as he possibly can. To take it upon himself, to remove it from us. But the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. To sacrifice himself. For us, God's economy and God's kingdom, greatness, is service. Right, this goes back, and Jesus here, Mark is, it, it, just like Matthew trying to help people understand, Jesus fulfills the promises of the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, verse 10, we hear, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush this servant of God, to crush him, to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his suffering an offering for sin, he will also see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. It's fulfilling the suffering servant role. Jesus gives his life to take our sin upon himself and remove it from us. Could he come swinging swords? Rolling up on tanks? Not tanks, chariots, okay. <laughs> yeah, he could have. It's God. He could have decided whatever he wanted. If he can use floods, if he can do plagues, I mean, he can pretty much roll however he wants to roll. But instead, he chose to serve. To me, the most disgraced and despised that you can possibly be so that you and I would be accepted, welcomed at his table, Welcome to his throne. Have a place in the kingdom. What's that mean for us? We're called to go and do likewise. To serve others. Folks, this is one of the greatest ways we can share good news to our families, to the world around us. To serve another. To help. To offer an act of kindness. To think for, uh, about ourselves a little less in a moment so that we can think about somebody else just a little bit more. Martin Luther King Jr. says this. I, I, I love this. This is from his Drum Major Instinct sermon. And I don't like it just because it's a drum major. But he says this. He says, so Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. A new norm of greatness. If you want to be important, that's wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. That's great too. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. 
That's a new definition of greatness. And this morning, I want you to hear this. And this morning, the thing that I like about it, and I amen, amen, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. Every one of us can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. Preach it. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. Right? It's not rocket science. You only need a heart full of grace. Yes, a soul generated by love. And you can be served. And you can serve. And how does our heart, anchored in that grace and that love, is to see that the God of the world would step down and not see a throne and equality with God something to be grasped, but would be a servant, would place himself below us to lift us. What I want to do to end the message today is I want you to close your eyes and I'm going to ask you to hold your hands out. Oftentimes, I know we're Dutch folks, so we don't get super, you know, bodily active, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, and if you're not Dutch, well, you're probably somewhere connected to Europe, okay? <laughs> well, hold your hands out and I'm going to read Philippians 2. I'm going to read it slow. And I just want you to hear what Paul says about this Jesus who would surrender his life for ours. And we'll go into prayer. But let's hear these words. Close our eyes. Let's hear these words of Jesus. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, of one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Jesus, you who were in the very nature God, you didn't consider equality with God something to be used for your own advantage. Rather, you made yourself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant by being made in human likeness. And as you were found in the appearance of us as, as a human being, Jesus, you humbled yourself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted you to the highest place and gave you the name that is above every name that at the name, your name, Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus, you 
are the Christ, Lord, to the glory of you, God, our Father. Lord, to be a servant isn't going to be easy. Because it co-ops and confronts the core sin that each of us have, selfishness, self-centeredness, confronts our (laughs) grandiose idea that somehow we're God. If Jesus, you are the model, you who were God, gave it all up so that we could have life, that that's the economy of your kingdom. Lord, help us today to let that be the economy of our hearts. That we would serve others. Lord, it doesn't mean that we aren't going to be taken care of. doesn't mean that we might not be run over. But here's the, the good news, Lord, is we know that when we're in you, we've got everything we need. We don't have to prove anything to anyone. So if our identity is in you, we're never going to be wanting for the well of what love is in our lives. So help us to know what it means to be fully and just fully encompassed by your love, Jesus. By your life. So that in serving, others around us can feel the same way. Give us the courage to think a little less of ourselves and a little more of others. It's Jesus, you did it. And we know you're the one who can equip that, can make that happen for us by your spirit. Lord, thank you for offering your life for us, for taking our sin away from us as far as the east is from the west, for serving us so we could be with you. And thank you that you promise to give us everything we need to serve others in your name. We pray these prayers and many more. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. As I was thinking about this Philippians passage, it says we should have the same posture or the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ. His disciples are like, hey, give us things. And Jesus is all like, I'm going to give my life as a ransom for you. And if we're supposed to take that same posture, maybe the question isn't, what can we get from Jesus, but what can we give him? And I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I have a whole lot to give, but I do have my life, and I do have my heart, and that's something I can offer him, and that's something he's very interested in. So we invite you today, just as we sing this song of response to stand with us, we're going to sing. It's an opportunity for us just to surrender, to abandon our life, our heart, to give back to God in the same posture that Jesus gave to us. So let's stand and we'll sing this together.
can I say? What can I do? most important thing you can ever do in your life to offer your heart to God. Because yes, as much as we can do for him, great. But God doesn't say, hey, look, I'm coming after you to get you to do something for me. I'm coming after you for you. And when we get that, we have the well of the living water, Jesus. So that, yeah, as we're loved, we can love. So be loved by God. I mean, be loved by God. He's waiting. He's there. He's never not been. He loves you. Receive this blessing from our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's children said, amen. Amen and amen. Go in peace, if you don't mind stacking a few chairs and, you know, hang around and chat. But God bless.